So if you haven't been with us, um, we are in a series in 2 Corinthians, and this is uh, part three of an eight-part series, and rarely does anyone actually go through in public forum the book of 2 Corinthians because it's an entangled piece, and it's a response to some letters and some conflict and a visit, and so because we don't know the context, oftentimes we tend to just avoid this. It's a, it's a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit lazy hanging and the big idea of the book is just be encouraged to keep following the Lord because if you're not careful what's going to happen is in all of the midst of the problems you just want to wash your hands of it all and walk away and Paul say no be encouraged be encouraged because you can be encouraged because at your heart level the Lord is in this if you'll follow him with all of your heart encouragement is something that we all need and you can go a day without food, but you cannot go a long time without being around people and going through life wondering, am I doing this right, or is, what if I get this wrong? If you doubt your motives, or if you think other people doubt your motives, or your abilities, or your credibility, then you'll end up pulling away, and you'll be lonely, and then you'll be haunted, then you'll have imaginations, and if you've ever gone down that path before, you know that's a, that's a lonely, sad path to be on. When the Apostle Paul wrote this book of 2 Corinthians, he had already planted this church in Corinth, which is in Greece. He had moved on to plant other churches, but then trouble happened. He wrote some letters back. It didn't go so well, but then eventually they got their life back together and started following the Lord. But there were hurt feelings along the way, and what also happened along the way was that there were false teachers that came in and said, the Apostle Paul isn't all he... He says he doesn't always get it right. He's not really an apostle. He may not really hear from the Lord. He's certainly not as spiritual as you think he is. And, and they didn't want people to follow Paul because they knew he was telling the truth. And they wanted their own kind of band. They wanted their own little following. And so that caused quite a divisive thing going on. And the relationships just couldn't be trusted. You didn't know whose friends were whose. And you know what would happen in the midst of that? People would just back away and say, I'm just going to show up to church, get my Bible lesson, and leave. You just kind of lose heart. The air is out of the sails because you're not going to play this game. If you've ever lost heart, you know kind of what that feels like. And so what the Apostle Paul does here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 and then in 5, he says, don't lose heart. Make sure you attend to the issues of your heart. And these are really, although there's a lot of instruction here, these are really heart-to-heart passages. Now, instead of me giving you, most of the time I give you great PowerPoint things to work on during the week, instead of doing that this week, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you some questions to ask yourself. And you can ask these of yourself on Monday, and then again on Tuesday, and then again on Wednesday. And so here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation from you? Stop there. Paul's saying, do I have to defend myself? Do I have to commend myself to you? Uh, Some people are bringing letters. Do I really need letters? Don't you know me? He's being falsely accused. And he's saying, do I have to do this again? In other words, we've been over this before. And this is not, it's coming back, yes, again, and this distraction is not going away. Verse 2, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, not written on paper. It's written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. He's saying, you know me, you know my life, my doctrine, you know my heart, you know me at the deepest level, heart to heart. Verse 3 now, so 
you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of a ministry written not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God. He's saying, I, I don't have letters. You know in your own heart. What I say to you is true, and it's meaningful, and it's not on tablets of stone. He's referring to Old Testament commands. This is written on human hearts. You know in your heart of hearts that what I'm saying is true. So the, a great question might be this. If my heart were to speak, what would it be saying? Okay? Sometimes, um, sometimes Ernest and I talk about, well, let's get people just to open their hearts before the Lord. And I want you to have your hearts open. And then I realize, oh my word, I better clean up my heart. Because <laughs> if it's going to be open before you, it better be clean. And then I'm afraid for you. If, if you open your heart and something came out you didn't mean to come out of your heart, you realize what is down inside there. <clears throat> Ken Davis is a Christian humorist, but he would talk about having a bad day. And then after having a bad day, then some more bad things happen. And then he would like slam his fist into a, a drawer and, it's, and stub his toe and jam his fingers all at the same time. And Ken Davis would say, and a little bad word came out of my brain and headed towards my mouth. <laughs> you ever had a word come out of your mouth and go, oh, I didn't know that was in there. Anybody? Seven honest people. Okay, good. We'll work on eight for next week. You ever had a word come out? I can't believe that was in there. Right? Yeah, and you want your heart to be open and honest before the Lord, but then you're amazed at what is going on in my heart. So the great question is, if my heart could speak, what would it say? What's really going on inside there? Is this more about rules, my rules, your rules, our rules, their rules, or is it about a relationship? Is this more about God working in my heart? Because the point is, I stand before God. This is, this is real. I, I have to be serious about this. I have to be honest with myself. And then the Apostle Paul illustrates this in the life of Moses. Now, if you aren't familiar, Moses shows up in the Old Testament, mostly in the book of Exodus. And, and when he shows up, he gets given um, Ten Commandments. But he, time, he at times will meet with God. And one of the times he meets with God is up on a mountain. And you can't meet with God and live. Okay, it's just the way it is. Because the glory of the Lord would just strike you, the brightness of the Lord. So when he goes up the mountain, though, he comes back and he realizes, I'm glowing because I'm with, I've been with the Lord. And so he puts a curtain, a veil around his face because he's not sure. Is this going to scare people? I mean, it's, it's scare, make him run away, or it could kill him. I, I don't know. So he puts a veil over, a little curtain over his face because he's, he's got Shekinah glory on him. Well, the problem with it is, is this. That glory begins to fail and begins to fade a little bit. But Moses keeps putting the veil on every morning. And why does he do that? It isn't because there's glory sh shining. No, it's because he wants them to think that there's glory shining. Okay, do you understand the difference? Have you ever had a person act one way to you and then they find out you go to church and then all of a sudden they start to talk in religious terms? It's like, oh yeah, I can be that too. Yeah. And it just doesn't work, does it? And that's where, that's where Moses was. Therefore, verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. It's passing away. But their minds were made dull to this very day. Why? The same veil remains the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because it's only Christ has taken it away. 
Even to this day, when Moses is read, it's the Old Testament, the law, a veil covers their hearts. You get this? They don't see what they could see. Why? Because they're still playing the game. So you have to ask yourself the question here. What are my actions saying about my heart? What's going on inside my heart? What's really going on? And then what are my actions saying? And who am I trying to fool or who am I trying to impress? There's a great question. Am I trying to impress God, who already knows? Or am I trying to impress people? I remember one day praying, and, and midway through the prayer, I just remember just in a blunt moment, you'll think less of me, I'm sure, by the end of this. I remember going, God, you know my heart. And what I know about my heart is okay, but not great. Lord, you know my heart. And it's when I face that honest moment, I realize I, I'm not all that people would think I am or that I want them to think that I am. So who am I trying to fool? Myself? Other people? Certainly I'm not going to fool God. So the, the big point of that is this. I, I have to be honest with myself. I have to be honest with myself. So, opening piece of chapter 3, I have to be honest with God. God's not playing any games, and he already knows. And even when I confess to him, he's not in shock. He's just glad that I'm finally owning up to what he already knows. Now, I move to the second stage, which is, I have to be honest with myself. Honesty will keep me from playing the game. Honesty will keep me from throwing up the veil to make people think that I'm something that I'm really not. A great question would to be asking yourself, and it isn't in the PowerPoint, but it would just be a great one to jot down. Is what is the veil in my own life? What keeps me from breaking through and having total openness with God? What is the holdback moment? What do people not see because I, I don't want them to see? It is um, what Christian uh, uh, psychologists would call the trauma of transparency. How authentic can I be and can I risk to be authentic? And certainly there is a demand to following the Lord. There's a physical demand, emotional investment. Spiritually, it can be draining. But at the end of the day, um, it's totally worth it if you do not lose heart. Keep reading with me, would you? Um, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, get this, because of God's uh, mercy, we have this ministry. The whole reason that we could plant a church, that you can have a, a body to, to have fellowship in, and you can have the ministry of serving one another, the whole reason you can do that is because of God's mercy towards us. And because of that, he says, we do not lose heart. It'd be easy for him just to bag it and say, I'm, I'm giving up, I'm quitting. But it's because of God's people. We don't do this for people, we do this for God. And it's because of his mercy in our own lives. And if I do it for people, I'll eventually be let down. And if I don't know that people are imperfect, it's only because I don't know them well enough. They are imperfect. It's just who they are. Verse 2, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. Get that. So put, put a guard on yourself of deception or distort the word of God, using it for your own purposes read just the parts that you like 
or announce just the sections you like. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Get that. We set forth the truth plainly. We lay it out before people. And you decide before God. It's your conscience. We don't use deception. We don't use distortion. We don't use smoke and mirrors. Why? Because we're not, we don't play that game. We, we tell you what it is and what it's about. And it's between you and the Lord. It's one of the things I love about SBC. I, I, I'll tell you, I, you know, uh, you, you wouldn't know this, but every Sunday I'm, I'm always shocked at the grace. If ever, if ever um, we err, it's to the side of grace. Whenever we, uh, most of the time we err, it's to the side of grace. Can't say every time, but it's one of the things I love. And you'll hang on to people who struggle through stuff. You'll hang on to people when we're going through uh, valleys, when our kids act up or our parents don't act the way we think they should or when we're, we're having trouble with spouses or job transfers and all that that happens. And, and I, I can tell that because of the prayer requests that come in and because of people's blunt honesty. It's a wonderful place to be just to let it down and say okay between us and the lord we're going to be totally honest not deceptive and we're not going to distort the word we're going to say what it says and follow what it says so some questions um, if i'm losing heart what what's going on if i'm ready to throw in the towel what's going on and he, he repeats it verse 16 of second um, corinthians 4 because of this, we do not lose heart. Even though they're wasting away. Physically, we're, we're, we're wasting away, but inwardly, we're being renewed. So then you ask yourself the question, when I'm losing heart, what's going on? And when I struggle, what's happening? In other words, what's the real motive? And how can I be personally renewed? Because it is going to happen. I, I just want, you know, I want the Christian life to kind of just be for all and happy-go-lucky don't you I just want it to be I want us to I want our national anthem as a church just to be uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood <laughs> don't you don't you want that I just want that yeah but that's not the way it is because we're in war and we're in conflict and we pray and we don't hear back and we we're in, we struggle through it. and the apostle Paul went through that I mean it's just the way life is but we want that beautiful day in the neighborhood right as I was working through this um, my mind came back to an Old Testament illustration so um, jot this down and you can look it up this week it's uh, 1 Kings 17, 18, 19 I'll give you in um, three minutes the whole story and the story is that of a guy by the name of Elijah Elijah's a prophet of God he's a godly guy and he, he goes up against the false gods of the land. And there were a bunch of them. And, um, and the king doesn't like Elijah. He wants to kill him. He goes, I'll tell you what. I know you hate me, but let's do this. Let's just put a dare out there, okay? And um, uh, your guys are going to build an altar. You pray to your gods. And uh, if uh, God sets it on fire, then you can kill me. And, then I, and when you're done, then I'm going to set an altar. And I'm going to put some animal sacrifice on it. And then when we're done... If, if I can start a fire, then I get to kill your guys. Okay? 
I mean, if ever there were a great Father's Day message, there you have it. War, fighting, swords, spears, dares, trash talking. It's all you could ever want. And so the king goes, okay. And so the, the guys set up this altar and they, they sing and they dance and they pray and they do all kinds of things. And, and Elijah's trash talking to them the whole time. Hey, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Something's going on. Keep yelling. Never sets on fire. So then Elijah builds his altar and then he builds a trench around it. And then he says to the guys, right before, or before God struck this on fire, why don't we just pour water over it? So he has them pour water over it. And then he just gets down and he prays, God, do it. Boom, fire. Just in a moment. And um, they kill off all those false prophets. Well, the king's wife doesn't like this. Why? Because she, those were her buddies and they did her bidding. So she sends a note to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. Have a nice day, because it's your last, you know, one of those kind of notes. But he's at a spiritual high, because he just prayed to God, and, and God came through, and then he gets scared because someone threatens him, so he, go, he runs, but he's physically exhausted. This is what happens after warfare, spiritual warfare. He's spiritually exhausted, emotionally shot, physically probably drained. And what does he do? He runs. And he runs, now he's way physically shot. He's emotionally spent, but he's away from all of his friends. He has no support base. He's running from God, and he just says, God, there's nobody left. I'm the only one who's faithful to you, which isn't true. But he's lost all perspective, okay? And so he lays down under a tree. He goes, God, just kill me. I'm the only one left. But, and he complains to God. This is a prophet of God, a godly guy, but he's lost heart. Understand this? 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. And what does God do? He, he says, Elijah, you need a nap. <laughs> you need a nap. You ever had a baby like that? Baby's crying. And the, the mama goes, you just need a nap. <laughs> and what we're really saying is, mama needs a nap. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So the Lord puts Elijah under a tree, puts him to sleep. And then has some angels give him some food when he wakes up. Because he's, he's physically exhausted too. And then when Elijah wakes up, he starts to whine again. And uh, the Lord just lets him do therapy right there. Let's him just get that out. It's kind of a debrief, if you will. And he goes, well, you're not the only one that's alone. By the way, and I'm going to send you back, but get that out of your system. Because I'll rebuild you. I'll renew your spirit. It's good that you're talking to me. And that's, those are all good things. Uh, and... And some theologians put it this way. Some of the, the most spiritual thing you could do today is take a nap because you're better after you are rested, right? And get some, get some good, clean, healthy food. Talk with the Lord. Do therapy with the Lord. Go to the Lord and listen to him. Talk to him and listen to him. But then when you have stuff you're not sure of, just get it out. Just get it to him. What's it say in, in the New Testament? Cast all your cares on him, Peter says. Why? Because he cares for you. And see, here's the deal. Sometimes we care, 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 and then you lose heart because you don't get any care back. And then you have to realize, I, I care because he cares for me. I have to go back to the source. He'll care for me. I just need to get back to the Lord. So, some great questions to be asking yourself this week. And I just, I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Uh, um, I stand before the Lord. I want to be honest before him. I have to be honest with myself. 
So then I have to just pay attention to my own signals. I have to pay attention to what's happening in my own life and pay attention to those signals. I may need rest, I need perspective, I may need to just get away and debrief. Because I'm not trying to commend myself, he says, chapter 5, verse 12. But we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. I want you to be proud of us. When, when, when I grow old and die, I want you to remember me with happiness. Why? Because rather than, rather than thinking poorly of us, I want you to know right from our own hearts, go back to verse 12, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. You'll know our heart's intention, ultimately. You'll know we really do care. And that's how you and I are going to finish. By not losing heart, by staying focused, taking care of ourselves, being honest with ourselves, and knowing we ultimately serve the Lord God of heaven. And along the way, I'm going to serve some people, but ultimately, we serve the Lord and, and he will never, ever let us down or forsake us. He'll never abandon us. And so we do not lose heart. Let's bow together for prayer. Would you stand with me as we pray? Um, just before I pray, um, for those who have uh, gone through the valley of discouragement, you, you could have preached this message. And for those of you who haven't gone through the valley of discouragement, then um, this wasn't all that meaningful, but I'm telling you there'll be a day when you'll be run into this text because you'll really need it. So hold on to it. Because, Lord, we're either coming out of a battle, going into a battle, getting ready for the next one, or recovering from the last one because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against every spiritual power in all high places because we realize, once again, This isn't just about us floating away to heaven. This is about spiritual warfare that's going on in our own hearts. And if if Satan can't take us to hell, he wants to give us a hellish-like life here on earth. So may we not play to his game, but may we play to yours and not ever lose heart. Encourage us with, uh, with each other, but may we know that our ultimate encouragement comes from you. We pray this in the strong, resurrected name of our victorious Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, amen.